Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Our guest today, Dr. Jim Harris, has been on the show many times, and that's because he gets it. His organization is called the Dr. Jim Harris Group, but it used to be called to a higher level. I, I kind of like the old one, Dr. Jim Harris Group brings it alongside, but Dr. Jim Harris, welcome back to I Work For Him. I appreciate it, Jim. It's always great to be back. You know, and, and, and how's that weather in sunny Pensacola today? Well, probably a little bit like yours today there in beautiful Clearwater, Tampa. We're in the mid-60s, sunshine, a few clouds. It was nice enough to play golf yesterday. How about that? Wow, golf. A good walk spoiled. That's what my buddy Sam Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, had to say about that. That's right. All right, you wrote some blogs this, this past in the past couple months that I really liked. And I always wait, I, I always wait for your blogs to come out and, and look for great conversational starters. And, and one of them that you wrote was, overcoming pressure in the workplace. And then you wrote another one called Spirit-Led Recruiting. And I don't know if we're going to get to both of them today, but, you know, the pressure thing. There's a lot of pressure out there, and people are experiencing a lot of pressure. And and I think that it's important for people to understand that the secret to overcoming pressure, which is what your article was titled, it it all lies in God's hands. And if we would just, I've been reading, Martha and I have been reading the Jesus Calling in in our morning devotionals and evening devotional. And last week it said, trust, trust is wrapped up in adversity. 
that we learn to trust the Lord through adversity. And, and, and so I'm excited to talk about the secret to overcoming pressure because there's a lot of pressure on us all day long. But Jim, you know, you're a frequent, you're a frequent guest on our show. But I want to I want to talk about how God is making an impact on your ministry because you went from went from the secular world all day long to taking your faith into the secular world all day long. How is how is God making an impact? He has been uncovering for me over the last four years of this journey more and more and more connections, more and more and more opportunities. Once I made that radical transformational shift. Um, and really one of the most interesting things, Jim, over the last um, six months is that the Lord is really pruning, just like in John 15, the secret of the vine. He's been pruning back many of my branches that typically are not producing any fruit. Uh, you can have so many branches that the entire tree becomes dead. And so he's been pruning back magnificently, and let me tell you, sometimes painfully, but what I'm beginning to see now is the potential for the new fruit. So through that pruning, the promise is delivered. And that fruit, you know, I, when we talk about fruit, I always, I always talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit as, as God wants to enrich our lives with the fruits that he has given us through the Holy Spirit. How do those tie in together? Well, that is the, that is the fruit. It is one fruit. And all nine of those are manifestations of love within you. You know, joy, peace, love, patience, goodness, kindness, long-suffering. All of those are the fruit of being saved. If those fruit are not being evidenced in your life, then it is cause to get back and say, whoa, i got to get back with more Jesus in my life because I'm not experiencing the gift He and the Father gave me, the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, long-suffering, etc. And, and that's what I, I had an amazing conversation with a pastor today that, that just talked about, you know, how some churches, he had a friend who got fired as a pastor of a church because he said, you know, I think the Holy Spirit still applies today. <laughs> and, oh. and, the guy, and the guy got fired. And, and so what I love about that is that you wrote a book called Our Unfair Advantage, Unleashing the Power of the Holy Spirit in Our Workplace. So what I want to talk about is this book that you wrote. You, you wrote this book, and it's like it was your 12th book, wasn't it? Uh, 14th. <sighs> How did I miss a couple in there? Because wasn't the impactor number 11, or was that number 12? That was number 13. Okay. All right, so I missed a few. All right, so you wrote this book, Our Unfair Advantage, Unleashing the Power of the Holy Spirit. Was it in your workplace? or unleash Yeah, it was Unleashing the Power. In your business. In yeah, your business. Right. In your business. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me about the success of that book. That launched about, if I remember correctly, about four months ago now? Is it five months ago? Yeah, it's been, it's been about eight months now, and it has really okay. hit internationally quite well. It's steady. Um, people are interested, and more than anything else, it really just uncovers how any of us, even if we're not in business, I mean, the principles apply to anyone, how we can better tune into the leadings of the Holy Spirit, but it also cautions us on some of the roadblocks, and it helps us overcome some of the ways that uh, we're not being led by the Spirit, how to overcome being head-led and opportunity-led and money-led and, and um, you know, just uh, kid-led. So it really gives us a fundamental first step on how to tune in better to the Holy Spirit channel and be led, just like Romans eight fourteen through 16 says. 
You know, what I loved about the book, and I know it's not the topic for today's conversation, but it really is the topic for every conversation. As a Christ follower, Jesus said, listen, I'm going to get out of here, but I'm going to send the counselor. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be your guide. He's going to dwell inside of you and give you the answers to the questions that you're asking. And so many Christ followers don't really know about the Holy Spirit. And so, and if they do, they never thought about the fact that the Holy Spirit should be an integral part of your business decision-making process. And that's what I loved about that book. It was so powerful. Well, that really is our unfair advantage because non-believers don't have the greatest consultant ever conceived in the universe. He knows everything about everything. And he will tell you not only what you need to know now, but the deep things of God, and he will tell you things to come. That's the best consultant you could ever have, and he's there 24-7 free. That's right. Free. That's right. It's a free gift that we get in salvation in Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's it's just amazing that so many Christ followers just like, well, nobody really told me about the Holy Spirit. I'm like, okay, well, now let's just talk about it because this is an incredible power that you have available to you. And, and here's how you access. You know, Jim, I got to tell you, you and I had a conversation on the phone about a month ago, just personally conversation about what all the things that Martha and I are involved in. And you said something, it's a little diversion off of our topic for today, but you said something to me that I have now shared with about a dozen people. You, wow. you said to me, Jim, you got to stop focusing on the good and focus on the great. I was writing down a list of all the things we're involved in. And you said, listen, there's, you probably have a lot of good things in your life, but you need to focus on the great things that God is using you to do. And that was a really tough assignment because I was trying to, so I wrote down, after you told me that, I wrote down everything that I'd list that we're involved in and tried to categorize it good or great, good or great. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it because a lot of, I mean, it's really hard to, you know, interpret that. But as I was going through that exercise that you challenged me to, I, God said, listen, put it through this filter. If you find out tomorrow that Martha has cancer or you have cancer, Jim, what would you continue to do regardless of what your medical condition is? Those are the great things. And did that filter down your list a little bit? It, it makes it very easy. When you start to look at it that way, you're like, well, that makes it simple because there's certain things that I'm going to do till I'm dead. I mean, right? Well, actually, what I figured out is in my casket where I'm going to be wearing shorts and a Hawaiian shirt with, I, I think, Skittles on my stomach and Mountain Dew in my hand that, that I'm going to have like marriage brochures in the casket. I'll pick one up on, on how to make your marriage strong. It makes it, it makes it easy. And somehow I'll have a broadcast radio. You know, I'll be broadcasting from heaven. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll do something like that. But yes, it made it very clear. But what you said to me was powerful. So I, I want you just to dig a little bit deeper into that and let's help the audience understand what you were trying to challenge me to do because a lot of us get caught up in doing good stuff, but God wants us to pursue the things that he equipped us to be great in. Where did you come up with those ideas to give me that challenge? Well, God never puts more on us than he wants us to complete. We put more stuff on us thinking we're doing good things and it becomes a works ministry. It become, we're, we're trying to work our way into his pleasure when he said, no, 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 no. Here's the one or the two things I really want you to hone in and focus on. Paul had one thing. Jesus had one thing. And so in my executive coaching, which I'm doing a lot more of these, these last few years, and that's one of the big ways that uh, I help multiply the kingdom is through one-on-one -on -one executive and team coaching for Christians in business, 
is that, in fact, this Thursday I'm doing exactly the same thing with my church staff. We're going to look at how they set priorities, and we're going to focus on the A's and see how we can delegate and or eliminate all the rest because we cannot be all things to all people. We've got to prune ourselves or God will prune us himself so that we focus on really what he wants us to do for eternity, not just what we think sounds good and looks good. Mm. It's tough exercise, though. It is. I mean, that's a, that's a tough that's just a tough one. But I liked the challenge, and I wanted you to get it out to everybody because that was, you really made an impact. And I have repeated those words to at least a dozen people since our last conversation. I said, listen, this is what I was challenged by one of my author buddies out of Pensacola, Dr. Jim Harris. He said, listen, stop focusing on the good, just focus on the great. Eliminate those things that you're just okay at and just pursue the passion, the things that God made you great and equipped. I, I kind of added some things to what you said, because I don't remember everything you said. I wish I'd recorded it, oh. but it, but it made, a huge, it made a huge impact, and I just wanted you to know Praise that. God. Praise God. Praise God. So you wrote this blog, The Secret to Overcoming Pressure. And there's a lot of pressure in our lives. You know, I live in Tampa Bay, so the, the traffic pressure is always there. But but I related this, as I read this article, that that be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry thing always comes in. Because I think of, I sold used cars for 15 years on the side, but used car guys are known to be some of the, the actually car guys, period, are the ones that apply the most pressure on people to close the deal. If they're just yep. an average sales guy, if they're a good sales guy, they don't have to apply any pressure. They're selling a good product. They know what they're talking about. Where did this idea come from to do a blog, or why did you come up with it on the secret to overcoming pressure? What was the impetus to this? One of the impetus for me was listening to a sermon by one of my favorite pastors, one of my favorite preachers, Keith Moore, from Faith Life Church in Branson, Missouri. He also has a Faith Life campus in Sarasota. And he preached a sermon in one of his series, and he gave this story of the adulterous woman. And he encapsulated that story so profoundly, I said, every business person needs to hear how Jesus handled the pressure of when the Pharisees brought that adulterous woman and threw her at his feet. You know, it's the epitome of religiosity, that, that whole example, when Jesus shares, I mean, when the story is shared by John, because the Pharisees were just acting like total hypocrites in the first place in this whole situation, because they only brought the woman. It says in the scriptures, hey, if, if, a, if a man and woman are caught in an adulterous act, stone them both. They only brought the woman. I just, well, probably the guy that was with her was in the group anyway, probably. <laughs> probably. So tell the story and talk about how the, the pressure was applied to Jesus. Well, you've got to understand the situation. This was not just the Pharisees coming in front with a woman and Jesus by himself. He was in the middle of preaching. He was teaching. There were dozens, if not hundreds, perhaps thousands of people in the middle of this teaching. And then right down the center row, right down the center aisle, comes a bunch of men with rocks in their hands. Everybody knew what that was about when, when Pharisees and leaders had stones in their hands with a woman, if she was dressed at all, perhaps scantily dressed, threw her down at the feet, and at Jesus' feet, and said, okay, Mr. Preacher, this woman was caught in adultery. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to kill her, or are you going to let her go free? Kill her, or let her go free? A or B? A or B? A or B? Come on, Preacher, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Jim Harris and I are longtime friends, and we really just hope that something that we say today will impact your world, that will challenge you to, to a deeper level of thinking in your workplace and to recognize that you have a super, super high calling. And that is to your 
workplace. Before we get back to Jim, a special welcome. We've got our, I wouldn't call him an intern because he's an employee. And I wouldn't, I, I like to call him my my technologically whiz kid 17-year-old minion who works for us at, at Trust Services and I work for him. Connor Atkinson, welcome to the radio program. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I wanted Connor to, to see all the inner workings because he's always doing behind the scenes work and he never really gets a chance to see all the high pressure fun stuff that we get to do on the radio. So Connor, of what you've seen so far, do you think that I'm having fun doing this? I think it's it's pretty interesting for sure. A lot of moving parts, but it's a, it's a lot going on, but it's really cool. For your radio debut, do you anybody you want to say hi to out there? Uh, my parents, if they're listening, I think that my dad should be. He should be listening. You don't yeah. want to say hi to Ashley? Oh, yeah, and my girlfriend. She might be listening. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to get back to Dr. Jim Harris. But, Connor, thanks for being along. Thanks for being part of the team. I'm hoping that by the time you're off to college, you'll go, man, I want to do that the rest of my life, whatever that may be. Jim, as we as we head off into this conversation on pressure, you were going into the conversation that the Pharisees were having with Jesus, that they, that they've they've thrown this woman down who's been caught in adultery, and they're saying, listen, what are we going to do with her? Are you going to let her go free? Or are we going to stone her? Take it up from there on how this is a pressure situation for Jesus. Yeah, I'd be happy to, but I think Connor's in a pressure situation right now. He didn't say hi to Ashley. He better take her out to a very nice meal very soon. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. He blew that opportunity. That's pressure, but, pressure, pressure right there. Right I probably Connor. should have prepped him on that one, but I didn't. <laughs> you know, it's okay. All right, so talk to me about yeah. the pressure that Jesus was facing in this situation. Well, Jesus was already a renegade. He was an outcast. Everybody, you know, anybody that knows the Bible knows that. And so here comes the uh, religious elite coming in and charging him with what was, under the law, something that was, uh, the, the, it was death. It was death under the lady, and as you said, death under whoever was she was caught with. But with only her there, they were testing him. Obviously, it was a major test. Were you going to kill her or not? Frankly, Jim, I believe they would just as soon as stone Jesus. It really wasn't about the woman. It was about Jesus. They were, they were going to, somebody was going to die. Somebody was going to die when they walked in. And it was a matter of whether it was going to be Jesus or whether it's going to be that lady. Now imagine having that in front of 100, 200, 300 people in the temple when he was teaching godly principles, and now somebody is coming in threatening to kill somebody. That's a pretty pressure-packed situation, knowing that your answer may cause your death. So, but Jesus, he, he had a gift that I've never had, which is being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, which is, it's incredible. That's, that's how great a Savior we serve. He, he also sniffed out their two-facedness in this. They, 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 he knew they were trying to trap him. They were constantly trying to do this kind of thing. And John and Matthew and Mark and Luke, they all documented many times where the religious people were trying to corner Jesus. How did he handle this pressure? I am absolutely convinced, Jim. I am absolutely convinced that right then, because Jesus walked fully as a man in flesh with the power of the Holy Spirit, he gave up his Godhead to walk as a man with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He was here to show us exactly what we can do, how we can live, everything that we can be capable of when he leaves. So he was no more man than you are because you have the Holy Spirit too. You have the power of Christ within you, the hope of glory. And I am convinced that God, through the Holy Spirit, say, hey, son, let's just let them think about it. Kneel down and start writing. Because Jesus only did 
what his father told him. He, when he saw what the father was doing, that's what he did. He only spoke what the father told him to say. So the father, through the Holy Spirit, he went inside, and the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, just like yours, said, let's have some fun with this. Let's just kneel down and put the pressure back on them. Start writing in the dirt. And, and, you know, there's a lot of conjecture out there on what he was writing. Yet nobody knows what he wrote because nobody documented it. But he started writing, and, and all of a sudden, the pressure did shift because he, because he stopped. He stepped back for a minute there, and, and, and he took the pressure off. What do you think he was writing? What's your opinion? I don't have one. Okay, come on. I have okay. Then I have one. I have opinions. My opinion is he started writing down the names of sins, not with a name by him, but he started writing down all the sins that of these individual accusers. Like he was just writing down what their sins were, and 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 they knew who which applied to who. I that's just my opinion, and it's not anywhere in the scripture. Reasonable. It could have very well been. But here's what to me the, the 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 absolute core of this story is: he did not succumb. The outside pressure, he was led by the internal spirit. And the key to this at the end, after everybody ran away, they all left. They all just left. They left this woman who had been caught in adultery. This is the power of Jesus. So he, he deals with, a per, with this woman. What's he say to her? Well, before we get there, let's see okay. what happened. All right. He was riding in the sand. They said, hey, preacher, 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 you pay attention to us. We're the leaders. We're telling you, what are you going to do, A or B, A or B? Kill her, let her go. Kill her, let her go. And he came up through the power of the Holy Spirit with option C. If anybody has sinned, let them throw the first stone. Nobody as smart as you are, Jim, as intelligent as you are, nobody would have come up with option C except the power of God. He came up with option C because he was led by the Spirit of God. Then he went down and started writing again, and they slowly went away to where the lady was by herself. Anyone who has not sinned can throw that first stone. And that's what's incredible is that Jesus was really concerned for their hearts. And and he was concerned for this woman's heart because then he says to her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. What I love about this is just another example of Jesus meeting us right in our filth. He he doesn't expect us to get all cleaned up and pretty and church-like and then say, well, I'll love you now that you're cleaned up. He says, no, I'm going to love you right in the middle of your filth. I'm going to love you like our Heavenly Father loves you. And 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 he's and he calls us out of our sinful life. That's the amazing. And when I look at this story, yes, he was quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. But I love the other side of the story too, where he just he just again demonstrates us that our heavenly Father doesn't expect us to be perfect before we come to Jesus. He he loves us right where we're at in the mess that we've got. There is no condemnation in Christ. And even in this pressure situation, he did not allow the pressure to overcome doing what the Lord instructed him to do. So we all deal with this pressure situation all the time because the enemy is sending pressure to us in our work situations all the time. I mean, things that aggravate us, stupid things that just get under our skin, um, decisions that need to be prayed about and fasted about. A lot of times we just, we, we'd give a hip check kind of a response on. what what. How do you start to tie this example into our workplaces, into our daily lives, in over in the secret to overcoming pressure. What what do you 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 think that Jesus' secret was what to overcoming that pressure? 
he was uh, he was being led by the spirit inside rather than the pressure from the enemy outside. It's just that simple and just that difficult. Difficult because outside pressure they'll make us want to sign that contract on a particular deadline date. It's just like you said in selling a car. Hey, a lot of people like this car, Jim. You better buy it today because it's not going to be here tomorrow. Yeah, more or, more know, so they call say. In the next Call in the next 10 minutes, or, you know, it's going to be gone. You better go, go, go. Come on. Hey, two, two, uh, BOGO, 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 but only through tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry. The car guys are like, hey, if you walk away, this deal, this no way this deal is going to be different tomorrow. It's going to be a change deal tomorrow. I'm like, well, okay. One of the greatest things I've ever learned from Crown Financial Ministries is if somebody's pressuring you to make a decision today, the answer is automatically no. That's okay. We don't make decisions like that. We just say no. But that took a long time because I'm a I'm a guy that's not that's not quick to listen. I'm quick to speak, slow to be slow to listen, and quick to become angry. I'm the opposite. All right, we're talking with Dr. Jim Harris from the Jim Harris Group. You can find out more about him online at drjimharris.com. We're talking about the secret to overcoming pressure. And as we looked at this example, let's let's take this into our businesses because there are some Outside pressures all around us. I mean, there's the outside pressure. I face it every day. I, I, I drive across a Howard Franklin in Tampa Bay. And anybody's visited Tampa Bay, they've been across this incredible bridge. It's seven miles long. And and, and there's pressure every day to drive 80. I mean, there, there just is. And and honestly, if you drive under 70, you're going to get killed anyway. But there's there's pressure in every part of our lives. There's, there's pressure to cheat. There's pressure to uh, make inappropriate decisions because you, you haven't taken time. I mean, let's talk about some of these situations where in business we do succumb to pressure often well i tell you i could give you a list of all the mistakes i've made that would take about another three hours of programs in and of itself but there's a handful i'll just share some of the things i've done jim maybe you've done them too i found myself looking back over my 30-year business career i've signed a contract just because it was a deadline date i just had to get it signed by a certain time it's almost like buying that used car um, I've been guilty, and I've been in HR for all of my years, but when I've been running construction companies, and I've hired people just to fill a slot rather than to grow the business. Just a knee-jerk, I need somebody that breathes. Oh, you don't have a felony. Come on, let's start. You know, it's really, <laughs> oh, you I've actually have fingerprints. Have oh, you got fingerprints. Good, that's good. Yeah. You know, I've, I've given away pro- too much profit just to close or maintain a deal on a customer that ended up costing me more than really what I was getting from them. You know, I, I could go on and on. I, you know, all of us, all of us agree to go to meetings or meet people at breakfast or at lunch just because we're trying to be nice rather than, you know, what's going to be the impact of this? It's going to cost me two hours and 15 bucks. And just having the guts to say, you know, I'm not led to do that. Maybe we can handle it another way, or maybe there's something that's more important, a great item instead of a good item that I need to be focusing on. We go on and on and on and on. But all the time, these kinds of things come up all the time. So how did you learn to just step back for a second and 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 just listen? Because that's one of those things where when I'm in the mode, I'm not very good at listening. But when I'm sometimes certain parts of the day, I'm way quieter than other parts of the day. But to be able to say, you know, Martha and I were having a silly argument about something over the weekend, and, and I remembered something that we taught on the marriage cruise and, and said, wow, we just need to stop and pray right now. 
because we're just I'm just being stupid and I just need to pray for forgiveness and we start over again. But it's that same kind of practice where, ooh, let me just recognize my human stupidity and let's just stop for a second before I make a decision and and see what God has to say about this. Are you saying that regardless of what the decision is, that we should stop for a minute and see what the Holy Spirit has to say? Absolutely. Well, that seems 100%. ridiculous. I mean, how do we have time for that? The better you know when he is speaking, the quicker you'll be able to respond to the situation. But the first of the six steps I outline in our unfair advantage of how to unleash that unfair advantage is to practice. Okay, Lord, do you want me to turn left or turn right? Do you want me to order this off the menu or order that? Should I watch this TV show or that TV show or turn it off? Just practice and look on the inside, not how you feel, not what you're thinking, but on the inside. And typically, at least in my case, Jim, I'm not sure about yours, but typically mine is either, when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, it's either a green light, I have peace, I get this kind of prompting, to get, yeah, go ahead, or it's a nothing, and I say, wait, 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 I'm not doing it, or it could be an absolute, no, don't go down that road, don't order that piece of chicken because it's tainted or whatever it might be. So I, I'm tuning on the inside. Is it a go, wait, or no? But isn't your competence, doesn't that get in your way? Because there's a certain level of competence that we have about a subject. I mean, you're, you've are you been a business coach for a lot of years. You're a professional speaker. You know, I've got expertise in the insurance world and the IT world, and apparently I've got radio expertise, but not everybody will contest to that. But when you but it, some, doesn't your competence get in the way? Because instead of relying on the Holy Spirit, you just rely on your previous knowledge. How do you overcome the fact that you're confident because you've got competence? Because then you're, lean, you're, you're being head-led or expert-led rather than being spirit-led. Nobody knows everything about everything. You cannot research enough to know whether to buy that piece of property or not, whether that's going to be a good stock investment or not, but somebody else does. And it comes to the point of whether are you going to humble yourself and admit that he that lives within you is actually smarter than you, or are you just going to keep saying, well, I'm going to take care of this myself, and there you go. So you don't struggle? Do you struggle with the competence confidence thing? I mean, absolutely. Give me an example. Give me an example. I'll, I'll give you a great example. You asked a little while ago why um, what really got me to listening more to the Holy Spirit. Well, if your business dropped sixty five percent in one year, would you start listening a little bit more? I'd start crying a lot more. Bingo! I mean, that was huge. But it was it was a pruning. It was a necessity. And now, just every day, every day, well, when you invited me to come on the show, I said, well, is this a good time, Lord? You know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to be one of Jim's best, guests, you know, favorite guests anyway. At least he asked me back a lot. Is this too much? But he said, no, take it. Your calendar's clear. It's good. I could have said, can we reschedule maybe another month, maybe two months? But I just asked, should I even take this interview today? And he said, yeah, yeah, take the interview. I said, okay, I'll do that. So how, you know, when I look at just that, that step back, I, I think of the line, what would Jesus do? I mean, that, that's, in fact, I've talked about many times in there getting a tattoo on my hand, uh, on my right hand. So when I'm shaking to do a deal, I can have the WWJD there to go, wait a minute. Did you even think about that question? You know, Charles Sheldon wrote that book in 1896 in his steps. And it's what fueled the resurgence of asking that question, what would Jesus do? back in the 80s and the 90s, that the bracelets that everybody was wearing. When you wrote this article, did you have any of that in your mind, that, that question, asking that question, what would Jesus do? Because he was led by the Spirit. 
Well, that's the answer to me. What would Jesus do? It's fantastic. But what I, in fact, when you go on my website, drjimharris.com, what you'll see on the home page is two words. And it boils down simply, Jim, to two words. Be led. That's it. Be led. And, and it's be, who's doing your leading. That's right. Be led, of course, by the Holy Spirit. So do you ever put into practice that and just stopping and asking that question? I mean, I'm trying to figure out how do All I get, time. how do I get the, you know, cause I'm a snowball guy, you know, like you, you grew up in the South though. So you don't really understand snowballs, but you know, you start with a little snowball on a wet snow day at the top of the Hill. If you get a little momentum, it'll pick up a lot of snow on the way down and it'll be a big snowball by the bottom of the Hill. I mean, it just does that. And some Southerners just don't get that cause they don't understand <laughs> snow, but I see myself, sometimes I'm driving really fast, and I'll try to make a decision because I, I feel pretty confident. And then later on, I'm going, hmm, boy, maybe I should have just stopped there for a second. How do you how do you build the brake session, applying the brakes to your decision matrix? I mean, to, to, to making these decisions. How do you get it to be at top of mind all the time? Do you put a sign on your glasses or what? Step one of the six steps, practice. Practice. I guarantee you, in the example you just gave, driving 80 on the Howard Franklin or wherever you were down there, that you were doing that out of your head. You were doing it out of pressure. You were doing that out of habit instead of saying, Lord, should I really be driving this fast? Is there something going on that I need to be aware of? And you were probably in your head making the decision here or there, here or there. Let me give you a quick example. We were, you were challenging me, and I love the question of how you can in every day and every way be led. I was driving to Atlanta to meet with a client, one of my retainer clients. I had two exits before I got to that wonderfully dreading 285 exit, you know, the 285 loop that, you know, it's NASCAR, you know, all around Atlanta. And I needed to recycle some coffee. And I said, okay, Spirit, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm just going to test myself and test you. You know, I like to get to McDonald's because I'm going to a side door of McDonald's because they usually have side doors not in front and I can go back and use the restroom occasionally, and then not have to pay. I, I've repented. I don't do that a lot, but I was in a hurry. There were two exits. I said, Spirit, which exit should I take? All I was trying to do was recycle coffee. I got to the first exit. Nah, there was nothing there. I said, okay, I kept going. I got to the second exit. I said, ooh, 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 okay. There was something inside me, the prompting. I turned off the second exit, and guess what was on the second exit? Right at the edge of my ramp was a McDonald's. Well. You know, now, you say that's a silly example. No, it's not. I'm, I'm just going to say, what about the blue signs alongside the road that tell you there's a McDonald's? <laughs> well, I was just going, uh, but I it didn't, it didn't have one. It didn't? Okay. All right. Okay. I'm just I'm just challenging you. It wasn't on the sign, man. But but what I love about that is that and it is important for us to recognize that, the, that our Heavenly Father cares about the intimate details of our lives and especially helping us overcome pressure because Jesus never demonstrated in any of his walk in his life, that he was feeling pressure. He just he just listened to the, our Heavenly Father in everything he did and followed the leading of the Spirit. He didn't feel pressure. He just did what he was called to do. That's exactly right. Thank you, Dr. Jim Harris. It was a privilege. Next time, we'll have to talk about that article, Spirit-Led Recruiting, because I love that one. It just that's a, that's a great one, but we're out of time. But thanks so much, Jim. You bet. And look at my blog tomorrow. I'm sending out a blog eight ways Donald Trump is just like Jesus. You think that's going to get some attention? <laughs> yeah, that will get some attention. Thanks, Dr. Jim Harris. Find him online at drjimharris.com. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, thanks for listening. Thanks so much to Jose Cruz. Did a great job today. Thanks so much to our show sponsors that keep us on the air. Hey, what did you learn? 
how we can take the city for Jesus Christ. What did you learn? You know, we learned today that our faith can grow, that we can learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit in everything that we do each and every day. And, and asking that question, how do we, how can we be led? Asking the question, what would Jesus do? But seeking the leading of the Holy Spirit, no matter what our decision, because we shouldn't be feeling pressure. And, and one of the greatest things is if somebody's pressuring you to make a decision right now, the answer has always got to be no. Because that's not how God works. We serve a crockpot God in a microwave world. He's not expecting us to operate by instinct. He wants us to operate by obedience to our Heavenly Father through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the secret to overcoming pressure, you heard it right here. Seek the Holy Spirit. Ask that question. What would Jesus do? You've been listening to the I Work For Him radio program with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. I own my own business, but ultimately... I work for him.